Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty and this is Talking Design 2019, episode number three. In this episode, uh, we'll be hearing from an interior designer, Daniel Russman, who's quite well known in Melbourne and she's a graduate of um, RMIT University in interior design. Welcome to the program. Hi, Stephen. Danielle, design's something that you said in before sitting down that it's something that you've always wanted always wanted to do before you graduated from school. Mm. What are some of the and you said your father was has always been very interested in design. What in particular kind of made the decision to follow this quite challenging career? Um, well, I suppose it sort of um, reaches even further back to just having finished finishing school like I as a child I was just always interested in art and design and I I used to kind of um I you know I was an I grew up as an only child so being an only child you have to sort of work out ways to keep yourself entertained and my way was to to draw and kind of create imaginary worlds I suppose and and I think my love of design and space in a sense you know stemmed from that originally um I didn't I I kind of I went through a period of not completely knowing what I wanted to do as I got a bit older but as soon as I I actually started an arts degree you know straight after I finished high school and realized oh hang on a minute I I'm, I actually am interested in pursuing design so it wasn't until I attempted to you know do something do different. something else that I realized so what did, was, I was really truly passionate so about So Danielle did you finish that arts degree or you quickly No I I lasted a year a month I oh. think <laughs> <laughs> in a month, and then I kind of worked out how to sort of, you know, go back and find a way to, you know, enter into a design course. Instead. Did you have the type of parents, Danielle, who would allow you to do your own room and kind of expand to other areas in the house? Or yeah, I mean, I, I, um, I've, I've always kind of um, been creative, and my family have always been very supportive of that, and. Um, and my, you know, m- numerous members of my family are very creative as well. So it was always encouraged. It was encouraged from the get-go. Um, Danielle, we were talking about the RMIT course and, mm-hmm. and you were saying it was quite conceptual, yeah. which a lot of people find challenging because it, it requires a different type of thinking. Yeah. And some of the great interior designers in Melbourne graduated from RMIT. How did you respond to this very conceptual approach at the time? I found it um, very exciting. Like I remember sort of, you know, my first week of of the course was kind of, you know, intimidating, but at the same time it was, it was just such a, such a completely new way of thinking and I had entered this course knowing that it appealed to me and I was attracted to certain elements of it without really understanding the nature of it and, and that emphasis on you know conceptual thinking really actually suited me very much so and I I loved it. So when you graduated from RMIT mm-hmm. that was in 2001 yeah um you didn't work in a traditional no format you went into set design. Yeah and I um I think at, at the time I um I I had an aversion in a way to entering um, a conventional architectural or interior design firm and I, I was interested in temporal spaces and I was also interested in the world of um, 
performance and theatre making and that world really kind of um, appealed and attracted me. So I, I kind of deviated from my path slightly and went into this, so you know, theatre world. Companies, major companies or um, smaller? It sort of started off with um, small independent companies um, and I... I worked on a couple of projects that had some success and got to tour both in Australia and internationally and and then I worked with some larger companies at the same time. So I was a freelancer and moving around, you know. And <laughs> why the switch? When was when was the catalyst or the trigger mm. to say, look, I actually want to go back, back to, interior, to interior, design. interior design because they're slightly different? They are but... slightly different and I think um, – after many years of working in theatre, I kind of realised that as much as I loved collaborating in such a um, cross-disciplinary medium... Because you're working with all these artists. Exactly. Like I'm working with directors and lighting designers and writers and, you know, actors and costume designers. And I, it kind of dawned on me that I, was, I wasn't actually feeling... Um, enough satisfaction as a, as a designer because essentially you know as a set designer you're you're supporting a story rather than kind of coming at it purely from a place of design so I, I wanted to give myself the opportunity to to sort of you know have a little bit more control I suppose and a bit you know with design being the kind of the more important um, guiding um, principle rather than you but know the thing is it is still a, a fantastic uh, uh, stepping stone yeah and there are things you know I saw your the way you work mm. you, you make maquettes mm. of interiors you're very much thinking three dimensionally yeah you see space in quite a specific way so you've you've really valued from that time absolutely and I I, I kind of it's taken me a long while to see that, but now I really can see how my work as a as a set designer um, translates very directly into my work as an interior designer, and I think adds to it and Danielle, gives you know gives something sort of a little bit more unique to what I have. To Danielle, offer. how do how do you make the change? You don't just one day you're a no. set designer and then the next day Danielle <laughs> no. Russman interior yeah. designer, yeah. and the phone keeps ringing. And you go, oh, I'm so busy. Yeah. Um, you, you don't make that switch that easily. So how no. does that switch happen? Um, well, it's taken a number of years, I think. Um, Was there anything, a major catalyst or major prompt? Um, I, th- I had an op- uh, someone I knew um, gave me, a, you know, a fairly substantial project to... Um, a house? No, it was a, it was a bar to design a bar in their, in their... Pub. It was actually like a large pub, and they have this sort of smaller um, area upstairs. And they said, "Would you like to, you know, design it, and we'll start this whole new new is project?" It still there? It's still there. Yeah, What's the bar? it's oh. called Amelia Shaw Bar. And where is it? It's in Brunswick, um, on top of the Retreat Hotel. It's oh. a cocktail bar. It's in a kind of um, it's a beautiful old Victorian um, building, but it, it was done in a kind of with a sort of Art Deco. Um, twist flair um and you got free reign on that yeah they they gave me free reign and it was really you know it kind of it was what I had been missing in a sense like just to sort of be set free onto a space and you know be allowed to kind of come up with ideas and execute them without you know having to sort of 
um, compromise it too much and it was just very exciting and that got me going again. Denia, what, where did the design cue come from um, for well, that the client, project? The client, the client kind of instigated that, um, that theme. They... One one of the owners of the hotel just has a love of Art Deco and had a collection of, of ceramics and various pieces that she wanted to include in the design and that was the starting point. So Clarice Cliff amongst them? No. More <laughs> <laughs> cheap and cheery. Cheap and cheerful, yeah. <laughs> Um, and so what? Just that was published, and then other work followed. Yeah, and that was that kind of that was quite um, that got quite a lot of press and publicity, and um, and I guess I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose it helped in terms of generating more work, but it's been a fairly slow process. It's taken a number of years to really kind of, you know, um, translate from being a set designer to an interior designer. What ten years? No, not 10, probably um, that was in 2012, so six years. Yes. Yeah. Tell me a little bit um, before we move on to other things, the Ring Award, yeah. because that's a very prestigious award. It's mm. held every few years by the National Gallery of Victoria. Yeah. So to be selected as amongst 12... 10. Or 10, sorry. Yeah. 10, <laughs> 10 designers. Yeah. Um, from Australia-wide, mm. is quite an honour. It was a huge honour. So yeah. you must have been... What was the call like? Oh, I just I was shocked and, you know, terribly excited and overwhelmed, really, because I, I, I thought... I thought somebody had asked me to send. Well, no, somebody had asked me to send in some images of my work, and I was like, "Oh, I wonder, I wonder what that could possibly be for," and had a few ideas about what that might be. And then when I got the phone call to say that I had been selected as a finalist in the rig, I was just, I, I just almost didn't believe them, but I was very, <laughs> very, very excited. Um, it's an interesting idea. How was the brief set for that? How do you kind of come, or do you just get an open, an open? Um, it was pretty open. Um, we had to uh, respond to the theme of domestic living and the brief was really um, very broad. We could respond in a purely practical way, a theoretical way, a poetic way. We could just sort of respond in ho however we wished to respond. And I think what was great was, you know, the uh, myself included, as well as all of the designers, really took it as an opportunity to sort of, you know, be quite experimental and really push push certain ideas that you might not be able to explore in a conventional, you know, client designer relationship. Walk me through your space. Tell me what you were thinking about it. It's very streamlined Art Deco. Perhaps. Yeah, it. it def I mean, it definitely draws from. Um, well, more specifically, the kind of Hollywood Bowl, which is a Art Deco building. So it, it draws quite directly from those shapes. Um, but it, it to me it's like a, a fusion of many different styles and um, it's also it's in you know it's also inspired by um, the movie Xanadu, which is kind of, you know, fairly sort of <laughs> silly eighties cult classic film starring Olivia Newton John. I and do remember it. All I about was. roller skating. But the thing about that film which uh, I mean I loved that film when I was a child, but the thing that I found the most sort of memorable and, and almost a bit haunting and, you know, exciting was this building that they that this film was shot in, which was this kind of 
old Art Deco building. I think it's it was originally in San Francisco and it had been this kind of factory um, space and they had used the shell of that building as the the set for the film. So my design heavily draws from that building in terms of its shape and also its colour and its mood and, yeah, and it's kind of all the things I kind of fantasise about as a child and I've kind of, you know, brought them all together and made this, you know, strange space. <laughs> well, it, it isn't, it is kind of, it isn't a specific room within a house. You wouldn't say it's, it's you can identify it as a lounge because it's seriously not a lounge. It could be anything. It could be a bar, it could be a, a lounge, it could be a bedroom suite. Yeah. It kind of doesn't define itself. Yeah, and I kind of like that idea. Like I wanted to sort of create a space that, you know, I mean, to me it could be a lounge. I know obviously not necessarily to everybody, but I wanted it to be a kind of a space that could be many things. It is a hybrid space and I describe it as being a living a a lounge space, a conversation pit, and also a stage. I very much see the space as a kind of performative space as well. And it's also, unlike some of the rooms, and they're all very different, mm. very pared back. Yeah. Nothing is in that space that is distracting. No. It's actually very simple lines, Yeah. few objects, ultra minimal. Yeah. Which is, you know, a lot of people say that's... Oh, I couldn't let, you know, you must have had people commenting on that room. Well, what was all that about? I, I couldn't, you know, it's uh, just a, because it's such an abstract space and people look at it and say, well, it's not a living room. There's no comfy chair. Mm. Where's the, you know. Well, the thinking for me was that it was a space that would encourage imagination and creative thinking or conversation or sort of things that sort of happen without um, material possession. So there was a sort of idea that you would enter this space and you didn't need, you didn't need things. You sort of, you know, you would be inspired or moved by the shapes and the forms and the light rather than things. Danielle, it's a bit like your set designing. It's a stage. It's waiting for the characters to come into the space to make it their own. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, yes. And I, I, I don't want people to sort of, I mean, I hadn't yeah. hoped that people walk in and feel uncomfortable, like, oh, they're expected to perform or yeah. anything like that. But I, I, I do hope that the space encourages a, a, um, a less inhibited version of oneself. How does that type of approach, how mm. does that approach relate to the way you work on clients' projects, houses, how do you, how's the process work? I mean, obviously, briefs will vary enormously depending on the client, but how do you generally start up an idea with a, with someone? With Sorry, a client? Stop you there. Yes. I think that's a phone. No, I, can, I can't hear it anymore. Sorry, there's just like a little okay. buzzing. I want to wait for it to stop. No, that's okay. Um, while I've got you stopped as well, um, when you turn your chair this way, oh. it hasn't happened ex- like dramatically, yeah. otherwise I would have stopped you, but occasionally you sort of look this okay. way as you're thinking and I, I lose you a little bit. Okay. No biggie, but something that's okay. in mind. Okay. <laughs> so I'll go back to Danielle, where, how do you start the design process with a client? Because your clients would be quite specific, <clears throat> they have certain ideas in, in their head, and even though you've put in the hard yakka, I know... 
you know, you're not at the point now of just saying, well, look, I do what I want no. to do and, look, it doesn't really matter. No. You know, it's not about you. How do you work up a brief? Um, I think it's really important to understand your client and I, I tend to go into projects um, with a pretty open mind um, and I do want... I do want them to have an input, not necessarily to kind of dictate exactly what the the aesthetics are, but definitely have an input so that they have a sense of ownership um, of the space because otherwise it can be really problematic. Like if you design something and somebody, you know, feels as though it doesn't suit them or is not really speaking about who they are, then that can just be a disaster. So I really do want there to be a genuine sense of the client feeling like they have had input into the project. So I, you know, I talk to them and I find out all about them and what, you know, who they are, what they like, what they like to do, a little bit of, you know, what their, how their family functions, um, what they hope um, their spaces will give them that they're not giving to them now. And then I just really, you know, do my best, I suppose, to take on board that information and then inject what I have to offer, which is, I suppose, perhaps something that might have a little bit more kind of, you know, of an edge or a flair that they might not necessarily have kind of come up with themselves. Uh, it must be hard also because sometimes you want to take, and the word journey is used mm. an awful lot in the design world, mm. you do want to take clients, whether it's a, a hotel or whether mm. it's a, a house, you want to take them on a journey mm. But how far can you push them? You, you... Uh, I think um, I think it's I think you know pretty early on like how far things can be pushed, um, and I think you have you know relationships with your clients, and you you understand that they they might really want you to push them and they're willing to go there with you or they feel very nervous and protective and they kind of really want to keep things fairly safe so you do you you know you kind of gauge what uh, they're open you know Daniel to. the ones who are safe who yeah. are anxious you can yes. read their expression yeah do they feel more assured when they see your models because then you'd make them a cats and is that a way of kind of settling them down or they they become even more anxious after that? <laughs> well, that's always a bit of a worry. <laughs> um, look, I think that I think once a, a client feels as though they trust your intentions, then they are usually and that, that you're open to listening to them, that usually they will kind of, you know, allow you to sort of go they'll let you you know they'll let mm. you explore explore your design and give it a good go and i think if 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 the relationship is kind of flawed to begin with um and it it can be very problematic do you say no in that instance or do you um, just say i have it? said no on a couple of occasions and i know very quickly like if it's just something that doesn't feel workable and it's 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 also it's not just for me it's also i don't want to cause you know stress for somebody else and so if I don't think I'm the right person for a job I won't I won't take it on there is still and it's a question that often comes up with interior design because I think it's an important one mm. and I think it's something the industry needs to really look at mm. is that you're a professional mm. you've had years of experience you yeah. trained at RMIT and people still think of people like you as decorators yeah and that's a problem 
Yeah. Because you're not a decorator. No. You don't just go out and buy a few cushions. Yeah. How do you try and educate people that that it's more than just surface finishes and it's it's beyond that? I mean, I don't think I go about trying to educate people. I think they just see, like once the process has begun, they, they actually see what, what it entails and what I'm doing. So you don't need to sort of teach them about it. They just they just experience it. And, um, Danielle, what are some of the projects on the horizon that you're really excited about? At the moment? Yes. Um, well... I am well I have a few projects on at the moment that I'm excited about. I'm I'm about well I'm going to Milan in yeah. April um with a group called Local Design who are a design group from Sydney and each year they take over um a a selection of Australian furniture design and present it at the Milan Design Week. So you've got something in that. Yeah, I have something in that. Chair or a, f- a coffee table. Yeah, so that's very yeah. exciting, and I've yeah. you know I've always dreamed of going over to Milan and seeing the festival, and so this is the first time that I'll get the chance to go and see it all and in get action. feedback and, and contacts. get feedback and absolutely. So yeah, that's very exciting. And then I have um, I have a couple of residential projects that I'm working on, and then I'm also working um, on an event. Um, with the NGV Women's Association called The Art of Dining and I'm designing a table for Kay and Burton um, for an event. How fantastic. Yeah, very exciting. And that's one of their most popular events, these dining tables. It is. It's for people who don't know, every couple of years some of Melbourne's most creatives put together a theme on a table and you can be as outlandish as you like. Yeah, the more outlandish the better. (laughs) Um, What gives you the most pleasure with the work that you're doing? Is it just not knowing where you're going to end up? Um, No, I I like to... Well, I don't know. I mean, so many things give me pleasure and so many things give me pain. Let's um, talk about the pleasure. pleasure. Just stay up. Well, it's very, very, you know, it's a wonderful feeling seeing something that you've imagined or sketched out come to life in full scale you know there's there's nothing better really and I mean I especially you know I had that so so clearly with the rig prize as you said I made this model like this cardboard scale model and it you know the space ended up being an identical version of this cardboard model that I, you know, created with scissors and Stanley knives and glue and paper and and it was just this, you know, life-size version of that and that's very satisfying. Like it's wonderful to make something that you have in your in your mind, in your heart, in your being and then to actually you give it, it physical form is a really thrilling and satisfying feeling. And is it better than you expected or what you expected? It's definitely it definitely um was better than I expected. Yeah, I was very, very happy with how it turned out. You know, also because so many things can go wrong when you're building something and especially when there's, you know, limited budget and time, many things can go wrong and you're really at the mercy of so many random factors and all of the people you've got in to help you. But I was very lucky in having a team of people who were, you know, really committed to my project and who sort of did you know, went to extravagant lengths to make sure that I was really happy with the result. So it was, you know, fantastic. I look forward to seeing more of your work out there 
and um, hearing more about you. So, look, thanks so much for coming onto the program thanks, today. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you. This has been Talking Design 2019, recorded at RMIT University. Thanks so much for listening.